St. Augustine's two books are not on my reading list, which you wanted to speak about this week. And you know what? They're not on my list either. Hey, welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. We're just two guys talking about the Catholic faith over a couple of pints of our favorite craft beers. So why don't you slide into the pew alongside us and listen in for a while. But did you open your beer yet? No, I didn't. Can I? I'm dying for a beer. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Am I allowed to pour it? Yes, sir. Can I drink it? No. Just have to look at it. This is the second time I poured this beer with the perfect head. Must be something about this German beer. Okay, can I open my beer now? Yes, you may. This is it screw top? Yeah, this I've got a, a growler on the go here today. Nice, nice. Hopefully the pour goes well. I, I've got a nice little IPA going on here from the, the local import ferry. And I've got a beautiful German lager, of course, from Munich. Okay, sir. Okay. So, yeah, well, as we said last week, we're going to start with our, our grace before beer. So, in the name of the Father and of the Son, the of Father the and Spirit. Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be salutary, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant uh, through the invocation of thy holy name that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Why why is that prayer not more well known throughout the world? Such a nice little prayer. It it is a nice little prayer, and it comes from the the book of Roman rituals. So like the, the book of blessings that priests would have, which... You know, I don't think a lot of people know the contents of the, the book of blessings because I don't how know. often do you go to a priest to ask to have something blessed? One. Right. right. And number two, how many priests do you know actually to bless something will go get their book of blessings so that they say the proper prayer? Right. The only time I ever heard of a priest do that, he was, uh, it was a priest from the Confraternity of St. Peter. Uh, and they're a little more on the traditional side, and he wanted to make sure that he got the the prayer of blessing down correctly, and it was uh, for some prayer cards that we had purchased. Oh, nice. Yeah, you know what, Robert, usually it's ad-libbed. I remember when we had our house bus when we first bought it, and priests just came in and had holy water and went through the whole house. Paula was sleeping because she was on a night shift, just went in there, there's some holy water. I'm like, okay, that works. <laughs> Back to the rest of the rooms. And you know what? We've had three houses blessed mm-hmm. as we've moved around a couple of times. Right. And we've had three priests each come and bless each of the house because we had a different pastor at each time. Nice. And each priest did it differently. So the, the, the first priest, our original pastor, uh, in our first home came in and he had his book of blessings and there was a special prayer for each room. And we went around the house wow. and he, he said the special prayer in, in each room. Um, and we had a candle lit and it, it was it was really neat. That was our first experience with having a house blessed. Uh, the second time 
we had a house blessed. Again, a different pastor at that time, but the, the same parish. Uh, he came in and he said, really, you just need to bless the entrance, entrances and exits to the house. So he went around and blessed all the different doors to the house. When we moved to the home we're in now, and we asked for the house to be blessed because you know, the house itself was 50 years old, but we had no idea if it had ever been blessed before or not. So it's probably a good idea just to make sure. And the interesting thing is, is this priest who came in to bless our house was the most conservative and orthodox of the three priests. No blessings, but he came in, he stepped in the front door, sprinkled in four directions, holy water, said a quick prayer, and then that was it. And we were sitting down at the dinner table. He was busy. He had a few things on the go. It, it could be. Either that or he saw our golden retriever and didn't want all of the, the fur on his black cassock. Oh, <laughs> yes. That was probably, I was just I thought you were going to say, and he was scared, but it's a golden retriever. so yeah, and, and he has dogs as well. Oh, does he? I didn't yeah. know Father Marco had dogs. Yeah, Father Marco has dogs. So he's a dog person, but yeah. So, But it, it, it was just, like I said, it was the most liberal of the three pastors, if you want, if you want to give it that kind of a, a political connotation. I hate doing that when it comes to things of the faith. Right. Uh, but let's just say the most liberal of the three pastors or the, the, the least traditional of the three went by the book of blessings in each room. Mm -hmm. And the most traditional when it comes to things liturgical barely said a, a 30 second prayer on, on the way in the door. And the one in the middle, he's the one that stayed, stayed the longest. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the, the, the expression of, uh, do the red, say the black, you know, where the, the priest is to do in the missal everything that's written out in red and say everything that's in black. Um, and with Father, who's a, a fairly good friend of ours, uh, we always say he's drink the red, wear the black, because he loves his glass of red wine. There you go. So, there you go. So he stayed the longest after dinner. Good to you know the, the, the human side of our, our pastors as well. The human side, very important, Robert. And oh. speaking of that, that's a great little segue into the fact that St. Augustine's two books are not on my reading list, which you wanted to speak about this week. And uh, you've read one of them and you've mentioned that I should, I think I did purchase it once and I just haven't, I don't know if it was Confessions or City of God, are those the two that? No, those are, those are the two big ones. And right. we'll, we'll maybe talk about that in a little bit, but because I wanted, there was something else I wanted to mention. <laughs> um, yeah, so St. Augustine's, and you know what? They're not on my list either. I you oh they're so uh, uh, um, confessions I yeah. read but you have to have a good translation the first translation of confessions I tried to read was an, an older translation and I I just I struggled with the language uh, city okay. city of God I think I got about two thirds to three quarters of the way through and then I had to abandon it, it it's very dense and deep it's a dense reading and it's a long read a long long read. Speaking so the, of dense, just before you make your last point, I've well, already you're going to talk about me, You're going to say, speaking of dense. And, uh, you're, you're, speaking of dense, um, the, I always thought that uh, Pope Benedict's readings would be dense. And both you and I remember Paul had mentioned they're actually really, really good reads. And they're not as dense as you, because he was such a brilliant or is was a brilliant theologian. They're good reads, surprisingly enough, are they not? Yeah, yeah. So it's almost like you're stealing my thunder, but uh, yeah. So you know, when it comes to to reading, and, and I have some of my oh my 
I put down some of my favorite authors, and I have my notes here, and of course, I can hardly read my own handwriting, never mind. No. And so, as we kind of already alluded to, though, I mean, we, we wanted to talk today about books. And one of the reasons why I suggested that we, we look at books uh, was in my daily reading, and I'm, I'll talk about the the devotional book uh, in a couple minutes, but in my, my daily readings of the imitation of Christ, I came across this prayer uh, a couple of weeks ago with regards to reading pious books. Oh, my savior who has so abundantly provided us with pious books to serve us as a bright shining light to withdraw or to preserve us from those wanderings which are so dangerous to our souls. Enlighten our minds with the truths we read and move our hearts to practice them. Grant that they may be our consolation in trouble, our support in difficulties, and the rule of our whole conduct. But grant also, O word incarnate, that we may hear thy voice speaking to our hearts when we read thy gospel with our lips, and that through the respect we owe to thy divine word, we may endeavor to put it in practice on those occasions when we have need of it, since it is not less necessary to practice the holy maxims of the gospel than it is to believe them. And that just kind of got me thinking, especially those, those that, that beginning of it, you know, that God has provided us with pious books to serve as a shining light and to keep us from those wanderings that are so dangerous to our souls. And, and that just kind of got me to thinking and ask the question, why is it so important to read Catholic? Why is it so important? Um, yes, we need to be reading scripture. Yes, we need to be reading the gospels, but why is it so important to be reading other books that, that are Catholic and that are, are Christian in nature? Yeah. And I think it's, it's summed up right there because, you know, it, it helps keep us away from the wanderings of our soul and the detriment to our soul. Uh, I've always been a chain reader. Always, always, always. Uh, and for the longest time, I would read fiction. Right. All right. Just, just pulp fiction. And for a while, I was reading uh, literary fiction. I, I would write reviews of you know, small press Canadian literature. Mm -hmm. But I found so often that what I was reading was making me uncomfortable. If not, it was downright offensive. You know what? Well, maybe that was just the books you were... I mean, if you think of... I mean, there's so much good fiction out there, classic fiction that is you maybe not religious, but is still good. But the stuff you were reading, I could imagine probably, you know, maybe reviewing it or something, not so good. I mean, some of the great classics maybe that aren't religious still, I mean, are great books to pick up and read. Oh, yeah. No, don't get me wrong. I think that there is great fiction out there and there would right. be great Catholic and great Christian fiction out there. Absolutely. Not, not that I've ever read any because that's just not been a book. They're not books that I've picked up. See, that's the, but that, you know what, yeah. a lot of these universities are turning to, Robert, is the, the great Catholic or Christian classics, right? The great classics of the last two millennia plus. And I think that maybe I have to, we have to put a, if you go into some of these, you know, when I read first things, 
if you go into some of these things, they have like the great classics uh, courses in, you know, these Catholic universities. I'd like to get my hands on a few of those books. Maybe we've even read some. I, I can't think of the some of the books off the top of my head, but that's something that maybe we should, you know, go forward reading a classic every year for since or a couple of summer or something like that. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And, and I think when you're thinking of stuff like that, um, again, I'm only going by what I've heard, but Flannery O'Connor. Flannery O'Connor. I've, I've heard amazing things about. You know what? I should I have did, I just my books to read. You're right. I, I just I just haven't gotten around to, to, to reading anything of hers. Here was a, you know, a, 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 a Catholic, a great Catholic in the middle of the southern U.S. where, you know, you don't have many Catholics to begin with, you know, died before she was 40, you know, ill most of her life. And these beautiful, beautiful short stories. And uh, I think she's yeah, definitely short stories, maybe a couple of novels, but, and she wrote a lot for, you know, periodicals and stuff and, and beautiful stuff. Yeah, I only started hearing about her a few years back and she's, she's really, really, you know, top notch. So that's something we'll, we'll definitely pick up me and you is Flannery yeah. O'Connor. That'll be on our reading list. That, yeah. That'll be our books to read. Yeah. And, and, and a couple of the other classic authors that, that I have read yeah. some of their stuff that, and I've thoroughly enjoyed, uh, GK Chesterton. Okay. Chesterton. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and I think if you're, if you're someone who kind of likes the murder mystery stuff, mm -hmm. Uh, G.K. Chesterton's Father Brown series. Father Brown series, yeah, I know you were going to say that. Right, and so, I mean, most people so I know are, are more, yeah, uh, most people I know are more into the the television series, the uh, <laughs> of the Father Browns. Um, now, I have read recently, and it's funny, like Chesterton. I don't know for whatever reason, recently a couple of his books came across my my reading list earlier this spring. Um, the Dumb Ox. So his biography of St. Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> and I just reread Orthodoxy. The one you and, recommended to me, yeah. Yeah, and, and I just found them both very philosophical, maybe more philosophical than I was expecting. But that being said, especially Orthodoxy, when I was reading it, I was expecting it to be more in line, um, almost like a catechism, where it was more of a mm -hmm. philosophy work. But a lot of what, he's written and, and and that was written in 1908 before he was even catholic yeah okay uh, and uh a lot of what he has to write well a lot of what he writes in orthodoxy is so pertinent for the world today yeah 100 years later wow right? 100 years later it's almost like he wrote it yesterday mm. uh, and the one thing i found really neat and i i'd have to dig through to find the quote but he, uh i'll just paraphrase paraphrase here where in one part he says, you know, even if the sun were to dance in the sky, people wouldn't believe. And he wrote that nine years before the miracle of the sun at Fatima. That's interesting. Right. I, I just, I found that kind of really cool to, to put the, those two together. Uh, and then one of his contemporaries, who is a really good read as well, is Hilaire Balak. Uh, you know what? I was just thinking about him. Funny you should mention that. Yep. There's another great English Catholic writer. English. Yeah. Have you ever read any of his stuff? No, never. Again, I would I would suggest, and I don't know the title, I'd have to look it up, uh, but I would suggest he's written a book where he walked, I don't know if he walked from England or if, if the story starts in France, but he basically walked from Northern France to Rome. Wow. And it's, and it's the story of his pilgrimage to, to Rome. Uh, 
Um, what's the name of that one? That seems I, uh, like a good off the top of my head. I don't know. So I'll have to get, get it to you later. And, uh, I, I can't have a conversation and look things up on Google at the same time. No, uh, it's, it, it's beyond my, my, my mental capacities, but yeah, no, I think it's, it's important that we read Catholic because again, th these books will help point us towards God. These books will help keep us away from the, the perils of our soul. But even that said, we still need to be careful with what we're reading. Uh, one of the first things I do when I pick up a, a book, a nonfiction um, Catholic book, is I always flip just inside the front cover to check mm -hmm. out if there's the, the Neely Opstadt and the Imprimatur. Yeah. Just to, and even then, sometimes you have to look at the name of, of who's given that to see if it's kind of going to be sound. It's okay, yeah. For nonfiction. So what have you been reading lately? Oh, you know what? Do, I do, do you read? Can you read? I do. You know what? I read, I read a lot of fiction. I, I do still read a lot of the, try to read some of the, the classics. Um, but I do read, you know, a lot of Christian Catholic works. A few of them that I read, like I remember reading one, certainly mere Christianity. Anything by C.S. Lewis is pretty you know, screw tape letters. I have that as one of the ones I want to read, but I, I, I read mere Christianity, which I thought was a great, um, apologetic on the faith, if you will. And of course, C.S. Lewis never became Catholic, but certainly a great Christian writer. Yeah. And there's another uh, name I should have had on my list, but didn't, but go, go yeah, on. You would have certainly had, a, I remember reading in university. Now we're going back 30 years here, Robert, but uh, a concise history of the Catholic church, Thomas Bachencotter, who just spoke about two millennia of church history and, and went through basically everything that happened within the church, which I thought was really, really good. But speaking of classics, the Graham Greene, you know, another English writer and the power and the glory about, you know, priests traveling through Mexico during the 1920s and the persecution of the Catholic church and priests and where to be a priest, if you were caught, you would be executed. I don't know if you've ever picked up that book, but that's a really good book. I remember reading that. Oh, no, so I, when we're, when we're done talking here, we're both going to have to type up our lists and, and, and yeah. exchange lists. Right. And I gave you one, a CD and me with Kathleen Norris. I don't know if you ever got a chance to go through that, but that's something where we all have this funk in our lives with the faith in this lethargy and apathy and kind of, you know, not so much, a, you know, depression, but certainly where the faith is just not what it's supposed to be. And she speaks really to that issue. And another one I wanted yeah, to mention. Sorry, no, and just before you move on from, yeah. from that one, Asidia and me, uh, I was really fascinated. I, I did read through it. Uh, right. And I was really fascinated. She bases her thoughts on the, the original desert mystics. Mm -hmm. right? So her, her, her writing is, is based on the original. Saint Anthony and, yeah. And, and they didn't talk about seven deadly sins. They talked about, eight deadly thoughts mm -hmm. right so which are the the thoughts that lead to sin and christ even says you know sin begins in the heart and in the mind and then it moves on to action and from that there's another great book and i can't remember if i passed it on to you or not called idle thoughts by father oh. denny lemieux so uh father denny lemieux is up at uh, madonna house in combermere uh and his book idle thoughts which goes through all of the eight deadly thoughts including Asidia. Uh, the one chap chapter I had to linger on for a while was gluttony, because that's where my, my, my biggest problem. Oh my God. Thanks be to God, it, it was the first God. one that he, I think it's the first chapter, and I was like, yeah, okay. I think, um, I think maybe speak to all of those 
eight deadly thoughts. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. Uh, and that's put out by Justin Press, which is a, a great little Canadian Catholic publisher out of Ottawa. So just as you were talking about Asidia and me, and it just reminded me of, of that book. And it's a great little book. And again, each all of us can can relate to all of those deadly thoughts, but usually one or two more than the others. Absolutely. And uh, certainly I've got a, I could probably write a little brief bio on all those thoughts. And another one was something beautiful for God. Malcolm Muggeridge, the great English writer and uh, TV commentator, wrote a beautiful book on Mother Teresa in the late 60s. After he had introduced the world to Mother Teresa, he he maintained a relationship with her, correspondence with her. And really, it was his it was his relationship and his correspondence with Mother Teresa, which brought him into the Catholic Church in his late 70s, I believe, almost 80 years old. So and, there you and, go. And you have a connection, I think, with his grandson. Right, you're right. I lived with his grandson for a while at university. We had a, a house in Toronto and uh, and his a couple of Peter and, of course, his brother Chaz and John and Matt, and there's a, and a sister as well. And uh, yeah, great, great family and very faith-filled. And he was Catholic. The, the kids were obviously Catholic before the grandfather because the son who was Anglican had married a Catholic. But uh, just to, anything you can get by Malcolm Muggeridge is fantastic. I mean, he speaks, he's writing in the 50s and 60s about, you know, stuff that, like you said, uh, about 100 years ago, you know, writing with... Um, G.K. Chesterton, which can be applicable today. Some of the stuff he's written 50, 60 years ago, 70 years ago, can still be applicable today. It's amazing how this stuff transfers so well, Robert, a lot of the stuff that they write. I, I was going to say, what does that say about the world and society that you can say the same thing, you know, every century? And, it, and, it, and it, well, you can, they're not saying the same thing, but what they're saying is applicable century after century after century after century. The church has seen it all before and yeah. in many different variations. about you and i've got a couple of that i want to read so i'll get to that once you finish your list of what you've read so well there's many more that i've read but i just can't yeah so right, right now i mean the, the two that i'm kind of reading on a more regular basis are, are kind of daily devotionals uh, one i know you've heard me talk about Time and again, time and again, time and again, and I and I've already mentioned it today is the imitation of Christ. Imitation Thomas A. Kempis. I I need to yeah, which I've read some of. Need to go back and finish that. Just written what six seven hundred years ago, and and some of the stuff just jumps out at you, thinking what the yeah. Well, and I read it as a daily devotional. So if you go chapter by chapter, the chapters, uh, the shortest ones are a page and a half. The longest right. ones are maybe six pages. Right. Right. So I do, I, I read the imitation of Christ as a daily devotional. I think I'm on my fourth time through it because I just read a chapter a day. Okay. Uh, I'll do the, the readings of the day and the reflection that goes along with it. And then I'll, I'll read uh, the imitation of Christ uh, as my morning devotional. And I'm constantly amazed, constantly amazed that either it's something that is super pertinent to my life. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so for example, having just come through, through this illness and, uh, yesterday, so two days ago now I, I got my vaccine and yesterday, uh, was having quite the reaction to it. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I'd been ill before. So then when it was reintroduced to my system, my body just went into this complete, you know, virus combat mode. 
and, and really knocked me for a loop yesterday. But the, the devotional reading for yesterday had to deal with trials and tribulations, right? You know, as long as we live, as long as we live in this world, we cannot be without tribulation, right? When you, when you say that about Thomas Kempis, say super pertinent to your life, that's exactly when you read some of his work within that book. It's so true. It's like, he, is he talking to me? He seems like he must be talking about my life right now. Well, exactly. And then there's been other times where the chapter I happened to be reading to that, that day lines up perfectly with the gospel of the day. Hmm. And, and, and I'm just left sitting at the, the breakfast table, baffled and amazed and in awe of how God can, can line these things up. That's nice. And what's the other devotional you're reading? Well, the other devotional, I've just started it. So I, I've kind of just read the introduction, and I've just started the first little bit of the devotional part is the spiritual exercises by St. Ignatius of Loyola. Oh, yes, yes. So you did you send me that little three-minute um, daily morning prayer, Ignatius of Loyola, or is that somebody else who must have sent it that way? Because they, I'm, it, it, it must have been someone else because it's okay. not it's not necessarily something I would go looking for. Okay, yeah, that that is something I've always wanted to do. That thirty-day um, examination that they yeah. do the Ignatian. And, and re reading the introduction, it says you know it's kind of set up for a thirty-day. Right. But it says, you know, take as long as you need or as short as you need. Uh, and it says like the the person who's directing the spiritual exercises for someone needs to take into account what the person going through the exercises can handle. Okay. Here it is, but tailor it in some ways to your, your own needs. Um, and again, so like the, the first day's readings, uh, I've stretched out over three or four days because I'll, I'll read a paragraph. And then I'll just put it down and sit and meditate mm -hmm. and, and contemplate. Yeah. And, and we have to do those two things together when, when we're reading something like that. We need to meditate. What is this piece of work trying to say to me? And then contemplate. Why is it saying this to me? Kind of those, those, right. those two things hand in hand. So I've only just started. And, the, and again, that's the way that, again, reading the introduction, that's the way that it's set up is the... You know, the first week is set up as an examination to, to look at the state of your soul. And then the next week is meditation. Again, mm -hmm. thinking about why is not, not why, uh, what is trying to be said to my soul. And then the third week is contemplation. Why is my soul needing this? That's really nice. So, so it, it's, it's really neat. And, and I'm interested. Uh, I picked it up. I thought I was just going to read through it like a, a book of theology. And then as yeah. I started reading it, I realized, okay, no, this is a devotional. So that'll be, that's my evening devotional. And, and I'll sit down and, and read that. And then, of course, by the time I'm getting to that part in the evening, I'll read, like I said, a paragraph, page, maybe two pages, and then put it down and we'll, we'll pray on it and, and meditate on that. But yeah, you were talking about some of the you know your your favorite authors, and each time you were saying something, like, oh, I should have had the him on my list. I should have had her on my list. I should have. So, one of the Catholic authors that when I first started really getting interested in my faith, um, again, like we were saying, some of the saints that have gone before us. Uh, my my youthful life was uh, very exuberant, if you like, and it was only as a a maturing adult in my early 30s that I started to take the faith more seriously uh, and look to study my faith. 
know, one of the authors that really helped me along to, to get to know our Catholic faith is Scott Hahn. You know what? <laughs> that was the one I have on my books I want to read is um, Rome Sweet Home. And there's something. Fantastic that read. read. That's a fantastic read. Yeah. And it's interesting because I think it's not just Scott Hahn that's written it. It's both Scott and Kimberly have, have written that, I believe, together. Okay. In each telling the, the story from their, their own perspective uh, because their conversion stories were together but very very different right and he he came to the faith before she did and she's just as intelligent and educated as scott hahn scott hahn you know that whole notion about converts make the best catholic really holds true when you're talking about them you're talking about marcus grodi if you want to get into ewtn which we who we both saw speak yep um and i read his book his book was fantastic about uh you know, journey from the uh, the journey home and, and some of the uh, different stories that he, you know, different um, conversion stories that he writes about in that book. Fantastic book. And, and you say that, and Scott Hahn's the first one to recognize that these converts to the faith are the ones that seem to be the most on fire. Right? So the, the converts, the, the, they really want to get to know the faith and they really want to delve into the faith and then they really want to share the faith. And Scott Hahn talks about that. But then he stops and he says, you know what, you cradle Catholics, we need to thank you. All of us that are converts that are on fire for the faith need to thank cradle Catholics for keeping the home fires burning, mm. waiting for us to come home. That's nice. Right? That's nice. And yeah, when you think about yeah, the, the, the ones that are on fire and these, these bright flames, but it's also the, the slow embers it's the, that are the foundation of the fire. Yeah, but I think sometimes we take it for granted being Catholics for, well, in your case, over 60 years, but in my case, over 50 <laughs> years, right? We, we just take it for granted that this is part of our DNA, not realizing what a gift we've been given, really. And so another author that, uh, as I was developing my faith and, and makes it really easy to understand and, and fall in love with our faith. Uh, Fulton Sheen. Fulton Sheen, yes. And, and Fulton Sheen just has a way of words that he can take something that is theologically complex and make it understandable. And again, this is someone who was writing 30, 40, 50 years ago, mm -hmm. but the language is just so accessible. And so common sense. And, and you know, it's incredible that his TV show in the 50s was ranked, was like one of the top TV, to think of a Catholic bishop to have a top TV show today just seems to kind of be so out there. Like, it's amazing that he was able to draw that crowd. And, and it's because what you say, he was so relatable. And his TV shows were so great. He got right to the point. And that big cape of his, you know, drawing yeah, back. Yeah, the, the, a, a little bit of show. And again, that, like you say, the cape, yeah. the, the beauty of the faith, mm -hmm. the, the artistic beauty of it, but also to the, the reality of the faith and the beauty that comes from, from what we believe. And again, I just, I, I find him so accessible. Uh, and I've got a good friend that's put together three anthologies uh, of Fulton Sheen's work. Wow. Uh, the, the first one is Cries from the Cross, uh, which looks at Fulton Sheen's writings 
uh, on Christ's seven last words. And so it's like seven books in one. And the way he separated them, he's taken a chapter from each book and put them together in, the, in their chapters. And then Lord, teach us to pray. Mm-hmm. And then he's got a new one coming out. Uh, and again, I'll look it up here. But these anthologies make it so much easier to to follow and to, to appreciate. To, to appreciate. And it goes through uh, the, the life of Christ and di- different stages of the, the life of Christ. Yeah, good old Fulton. Book of the Sa- Book of Sacraments. So the, the the new anthology, which isn't out yet, the anthology will be coming out later this year. Uh, our Archbishop Sheen's Book of Sacraments will look at Sheen's writings on the the different sacraments, and those are through Sophia Institute Press. Uh, so if anyone was looking for, you know, wanting to pick up some works of Fulton Sheen, and then a third author that has really exploded my mind in in some ways, um, just with the breadth and depth uh, of our Catholic faith and the theology behind it is Henri de Lubac. He was a French Jesuit, uh, again, about 50 to 100 years ago. Uh, The only problem I find sometimes with de Lubac is that it's deep. And the, the language is is difficult, but he was the one. Say his uh, say his name now in in an anglicized way for our listeners, Robert. I don't know if I have that in my DNA. Come on, uh, Henry Henry de Lubac, L U B A C. Okay, uh, but he's the, he's the first one that had me come to realize the full meaning of the term Catholic as universal, mm. and that our our Catholic faith isn't just for the church. Our, our Catholic faith isn't just necessarily for humanity, but our Catholic faith, the universality of our Catholic faith, takes up all of creation, the visible and the invisible, all of creation, so that our physical world and the spiritual world. And this being able to, to realize that Catholicism is not just us here on earth, right? but also to the, the communion of saints and the angels. Mm, wow. So he was the first one that really, really. He sounds really good. Like, yeah. Really good. But again, a deep read, a deep read, a dense read. Uh, and, and speaking of dense reads, I, uh, I have kind of three quick names at, at the end. Uh, John Paul, the great St. John Paul, mm-hmm. uh, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant man. But his works I, sometimes I found pretty insight. Okay. Yeah, theology of the body it would take me four or five days to read a page sometimes. You're right. I know where you're going with this. I know you're going to end up with, but go on, keep going. Um, so then the, the, the next one, and you, you already mentioned him is uh, Benedict the 16th. Yeah. Benedict the 16th. And, and you talked about uh, his series on Jesus of Nazareth. Mm-hmm. And again, that, that was uh one of the first series of his that I read, very accessible, right? Very, very accessible. Very accessible yeah. Why do I feel like you're going to end up with an African cardinal in your last? <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> card, card, cardinal Sarah, and again, speaking about uh, accessible reads, Cardinal Sarah, um, in his three books, and I really think you need to read them in order. And I did not read them in order. The first book of his that I read was Power of Silence. 
Uh, and again, just that just turned me on to the, the need to sit silently. Uh, and the line from that book that I love, you know, if we don't have silence, how can we ever find God? But I think if you really want to know Cardinal Sarah, you start with his God or nothing, because that starts off with his, uh, it's almost like an autobiography. And to think that, you know, this man who was at one time considered uh, papabile was born in a mud hut hmm. in the middle of the, the African outback, right? Hmm. And the trials and tribulations of, of his life um, and living in the church and trying to live the faith and, and be a man of faith in the church uh, in a country that was a dictatorship where the, the faith was persecuted. Yeah, that's impressive. Like just being a, a, a you know a kid, a person of faith in 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 some cultures, right? Yeah, and, and I have heard him speak. Um, again, very very well rounded man, uh, very erudite man, and a great speaker as well. Uh, and then his final one, the day now, the the day is now far spent, where he looks kind of at the state of the church today. Mm-hmm. And where the church is going in all the different directions that the church is being pulled in. Right. And it's almost, nice. a, almost a, a lamentation of where things are at. And speaking of erudite, I was, I put on my list to read was um, Thomas Merton, seven story mountain. And there's a, an American monk and, that have you ever read Seven Story Mountain? I've heard really good things about I, that. I haven't read that. I've read some of his poetry. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I've read good. some of his poetry, but uh, I've never read. But I think I always want to get my hands on that book because I've heard a lot of good things about it. And I was just thinking, going back a few hundred years, anything by Saint John of God, you know, Dark Knight of the Soul, or his contemporary Saint Teresa of Avila. There's two people I think that I would want to read. Well, and, and you're saying that the, the, those are on my list. I'm just kind of scrolling through my, my Amazon wish list right now. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll, I can put this out there. If anyone feels inclined to uh, yeah. make a purchase on our behalf, I mean, we can put our, our, our wish list out there and, you know, maybe a, a kind and generous listener would take it upon themselves. Benefactor. Benefactor. There's a couple here by, you know, Paradoxes of Faith by, by De Lubac. The Dark Night of the Soul, uh, Essays of a Catholic by Hilaire Balak that we were speaking about okay. earlier. Uh, one that's by a, a, an author that's not very well known, uh, but I'd read little bits of this book earlier in the year, The Spiritual Combat by Dom Lorenzo Scupoli. Um, just looking at ways to prepare our prayer lives to, to make you know, spiritual combat, to take on the, the wiles of the devil um diary of, of saint maria faustina the divine you know the divine mercy divine mercy yes the great polish saint another great read that i've read and i have it here and i've, I've actually read it uh, pathway to our hearts which is a simple approach to lectio divina by our cardinal thomas collins thomas uh, which go, goes through the beatitudes and, and goes through the the sermon on the mount uh and it's an, an excellent excellent opening up of the scriptures trying to look there's a there's a a number here uh the everlasting man 
by G.K. Chesterton. G.K. Chesterton as well. Yeah, now I've got the the illustrated and annotated version because, you know, I need the Reader's Digest version of stuff like Ah. this. Uh, What I find, too, sometimes that my my reading list can be a little eclectic. Uh, Oh, here's another one, The Science of the Cross by Edith Stein, uh, another, Hmm. another great person. So sometimes I wonder if I should be taking a course because again, like you, you, you can hear from, from this, that my, my reading list is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so I do sometimes. I, is that, not, is that, that, that's a good thing. I would hate the fact that you're reading, you know, you, you said, you know, you had your devotionals and stuff like that. I mean, you know, you wouldn't want to just read those every day. You need to like that. You've got some great authors and some great thinkers there. You need to, Kind of broaden. We we both all do for sure. Like we don't want to just stick to the same author, the same genre all the time. Oh, for for sure, for sure. And I think that's also the beauty of our Catholic faith is that there's just it encompasses so much. Again, coming back to that notion that Catholicism is universal. Yes. Well, Catholic is universal, right? Small C, right? And you know what? It drives me crazy with the small C with kids, students. But go on. Sorry. And because it encompasses the universality of all creation, there's just so much that is out there. There's so much to know. There's so much to read. And I'm, I don't know. I don't know about you, but the space between my ears is rather limited, and yeah. it seems, and it seems to be shrinking. You know what, Robert? You're, you 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 hit the nail on the head. And and when I went back a few years back, as you know, and, and went to the seminary and, and, and did that degree. And I, I, you know, people said, did you learn a lot? And I felt like, yeah, I learned a lot, but what it made me realize is how little I know of the faith and how much I've just scratched the surface of the things that I want to learn or want to know of the faith or what is out there or the scholarship within the 2000 years of the faith. You can't a lifetime, you know, Ten lifetimes is not enough. Not enough time to get through what we, what we see out there, and some of the great works that we see. And and next, you know, one of our next podcasts will have to be, you know, film and and audio of of different great Catholic. Because I mean, like, oh, for sure, that was another sure. podcast in the making. Yeah, but oh no, there, we there, there's just... out? we probably left out a whole bunch of writers that people are gonna. Listeners are, are going to chime in and say, hey, you forgot about this. So we'll have a part two oh, on this for sure. I, I hope so. I mean, I had a whole section here I thought we could talk about. And I know you mentioned one when you said um, first things, but to talk about periodicals. Oh, periodicals. But, first but, things but, out of New York. I, I, I think we just need to leave that again for, for uh, another day. Because, again, there's just so Maybe much. You're right. That's Maybe okay. right. So why don't we finish? I have another short prayer on reading here. Beautiful, because I'm just finishing up my fourth beer, and you're still the first. <laughs> I'm still, I'm, I got the growler today, so it's 750 milliliters. Oh, that's right. I I've forgot. Only, about... I, 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 I've, I've been sipping. I've only, I'm only like halfway through that. Uh, well, that's what I was wondering, because we usually get through about two pints per broadcast, and I thought, geez, he's awfully slow tonight. But maybe it's because I'm talking so much again, and I, I'm just rambling so much. Yeah, but you know what? That's a good point. A growler is a great way to kind of pace ourselves, and... You're right. I'm not going to. Um, no, I haven't had six. What did we say? Four beers. But uh, no. Um, yeah, we'll have to do the periodicals and papers and any sort of, you know, I mean, you get some uh, emails or whatever from yep. different 
groups saying read this, well, read this. Well, that'll be another show. Again, and again, like we were just saying, there's just so much out there. The space between our ears is so limited and time is limited. Time is limited. Time is limited. You, you hear about people reading all these great things and you're kind of going, where are you getting the time for that? I know. Because, you know, I, I find so many times that uh, if I were to be doing all of the stuff, uh, the reading and the writing and the watching and the listening that I really wanted to do. Right. The wheels would fall off the house. Yeah. The wheels would fall off the house. <laughs> the wheels would fall off the house. Like laundry wouldn't get done. Um, you know, we'd have to be getting Royal China paper plates because, you know, none of the dishes would be getting washed. Yeah. Um, By the way, I picked up a Costco the other day, but that's besides the point. <laughs> but I think the, the main point that you're talking about here, Robert, is that both of us agree that this is spiritual nourishment. And darn, don't we feel good when we read these books? We just have a sense of, yeah, we're on the right track. And this is good stuff. And yeah. this is what we wanted to convey this, this afternoon here. And, and I think with you saying that, we'll finish off with this, this last little prayer. Beautiful. In the name of the Father, and of Father the Son, and of the, the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Speak, my God. Speak to our hearts and change them. While the truths which we read strike and convince our minds, grant that being instructed in thy law and in thy holy will, by the reading of good books, we may follow them in all things, so that what thou teachest may ever be the rule of our conduct. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Amen. Father, and of Father, the Son, and of the, the Son, Holy and the Spirit. And we'll catch up to you next week, I guess, Robert. God willing. Hey, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed your pint and the conversation just as much as we did. And we look forward to chatting again next time over a pint or two.